You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode number 1415. So infinite banking is kind of like this. If it's done right, it's like this tax-free supercharged savings account where it pays you higher interest than the bank that pays you point nothing percent and protected from lawsuits and creditors. So if anybody sues you, in most states, 100% protected. You can have millions sitting there. They can't do anything to you. But it has this unique ability to be able to create money in two places at the same time. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. Podcast. I am your host today, Brent Bowers, and today I have Chris Miles with MoneyRipples.com. He's going to be talking today about creating a supercharged, tax-free savings account. And this is something that I personally wanted to learn about because I've talked to other people about this and I've never quite understood it. So hopefully today this podcast will help you understand how to create a supercharged tax-free savings account because I've been implementing profit first into my my land business. And now I'm starting to accumulate massive amounts of cash in multiple accounts, uh, which is great for a rainy day. But here's the thing. Rich people don't just let their money sit idle. And I am doing that. I am letting this money sit in these checking accounts, earning nothing. And obviously, they're protected by LLCs, but why not protect it even more and earn interest on it? So today's episode is going to be about that, setting up a what's called an infinite banking account so you can be your own banker and start funding your own real estate deals today. Uh, So this episode might not be for everybody. Uh, If you're just trying to make some additional money, then I highly recommend head on over to wholesalinginc.com forward slash land and schedule a call. Fill out that application, schedule the call, and let me show you how to make money in land today. It's the easiest, fastest way, the lowest barrier of entry of how to get started in real estate investing. But if you're starting to accumulate cash, you've done well in your, your business or your real estate business, then I highly recommend listening to this episode until the very end. Chris Miles, welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. How are you today? Brent, I'm doing awesome, man. It's good to see you again. You too, man. I know you're huge in passive income. And I, what's your, what does your shirt say? I love something. Yeah. I love passive income. There I love passive income, right? I love passive income, but I have to be a little active to make my passive income work for me. You know, I do a land deal. That's me being active. I got to find the land deal. I got to have the realtor sell the land deal. My assistant sets up the mortgage, the note and all that. And then we're paid for a while. And that's usually passive for the most part until they either change their bank account number or pay it off or they sell it or whatever. That's a little bit more active. But I love passive income. Uh, but I think you have a little bit of a different strategy with passive income. I know you do land deals. I don't know if you want uh-huh. to talk about that today, but uh, you're into all kinds of stuff. So, you know, and I guess in 30 to 60 seconds, tell Rhino Nation a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up because I just saw your social media post the other day about, you know, uh, all the passive income, like the different, you know, deposits coming in and things like that. And the funny thing is, I was just looking at my own account, doing the same thing that same day, checking out, okay, where am I at right now? You know, like, because I, I do a partnership. So I let them do the active stuff where I'm just more the financer, right? 
But I mean, that's what I mean by passive income. I like to be hands off investor. You know, I, I like to be the person that, you know, I might make lower returns than you will as an active investor, especially if you're wholesaling, you were flipping, or even if you're just doing the land deals, I'll make a little bit less. But, but I'm also one of those people. I just, I'm kind of lazy, right? I'm, I'm ambitiously lazy. I'll even say that, right? Like where I, I like to do whatever I can to work to then work less. Yeah, time, you know, like you let your money work for you. That's not lazy. That's just being smart with it. You know, it's like I just paid a roofer like $4,400 to uh, be on my roof for about a day. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. I was like, man, like he's out there working hard. He made pretty good money. But, you know, I like to put my time and effort into other things that will make me even more money per hour. You know, so That's just right. like you look at like it's what you spend your time on. And, you know, eventually you get the money and then your money makes more money for you. And that's their little babies having more babies. So it just really grows. You know, yeah, just, well, that's kind of like what Space Morby and I talked about on our show, right? It's like, what really is passive, like truly passive income besides the accountant definition, which is real estate income, right? But, you know, we were talking about that. And, and that's the thing is that if you can get your money working harder for you, so you don't have to work so hard for that money. That's key, right? Like that's why books like Profit First are so important because you want to have profit coming out that then you can then not just reinvest in your business, but also create multiple streams of passive income. I want to throw a um, a little bit of a, a monkey wrench at you. What if I'm listening to this episode? I'm on my way to my W-2 job right now. And I don't have a ton of money, Chris. I got some debt on credit cards. I have just enough money in the bank account to pay the bills this month. You know, how do I start having my money work for me to be a passive income investor like you, Chris? Well, start by listening to Brent. That's how you do it. Because, I mean, the things that you teach, it doesn't require a, a crap load of capital to make it, you know, make some good money. Like, that's the beauty of doing more active investing versus just the passive stuff, right? Is build up that, that reserve, build up that savings. And that might just be doing it a small amount at a time. I mean, we'll talk about infinite banking a little bit and how you can integrate oh, that I too. Love that. But, but really, like, you got to start by having your own profit in your own life. Like, try to, try to put away as much cash as you can. But if you want to make cash faster, so let's just say that you realize, hey, at this rate, it's going to take me a while. Find ways to increase your active income. If it's not at the job or your W-2 or your own business, do a side business like what you're talking about here on the show, Brent. Like, that's the real key here. Um, active, increase your active income as well as I just hung up with someone his business is, he's about to close the doors on his business. He's like, I got like two months left. Yeah. And one of the things that he's going to sit down and do is look at all of his expenses today and cancel everything that's not making him a profit right now. And how's he going to do that? He's going to cancel his credit cards, report them lost and stolen. And that's going to be an immediate savings for him. So he has like, you could do two things. You can cancel all your expenses that are not making you return on investment, like Netflix, Mm -hmm. like the lawn guy, whatever it is right now. And increase that income. And it's almost like a two-prong effect. You know, it, it really yeah. multiplies on itself. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's one of the first things I teach about cash flow is start tracking your money. Find out what's a productive expense versus a consumptive or even destructive expense, right? Like really go through that. Now, I'm not saying you go cancel your credit cards, report them lost or stolen, because if you close those accounts, it also hurts your credit score. So, that's you know, true. be very selective and careful when you do that strategy. But, you know... But be a wise steward of your money. Like find ways to get more cash so you can turn that into money. Let me correct. That did sound like I was saying cancel the credit cards. Huh? I meant report it lost. They'll send you a new one. That way, when that company tries to charge that card a month later, they're going to call you and say, we can't charge a card. And that's your time to renegotiate. 
That's right. That, that payment, if you want to keep, I didn't mean close the account. I meant yeah. just cancel that card. That's that's a that, great that strategy. Particular card. Yeah, that's a great easy way to say, hey, do I really want this expense or not? Do I want to continue it or not? It's a great way to kind of do your own. It almost forces you to to look at the situation, right? And that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, my assistant and my accountant hate it though when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> they hate me for doing that, but uh, for sure. it's just a necessary thing. Well, yeah. okay, so we increase our active income, we decrease our expenses. Now we got a little bit of money sitting aside, and I know that you're huge on infinite banking. I honestly don't really understand it too much. I have a life insurance policy. Um, I've looked into it, but uh, I'd love to know more about it because I've implemented a great system called Profit First. You know, Profit First has been uh, amazing. We've now got several accounts accumulating money, but here's the thing. Those accounts are not paying me a lick of interest. Not one mm-hmm. penny. That's right. So infinite banking, it's kind of like this. If it's done right, it's like this tax-free supercharged savings account where it pays you higher interest than the bank that pays you point nothing percent and protected from lawsuits and creditors. So if anybody sues you, in most states, 100% protected. You have millions sitting there. They can't do anything to you. But it has this unique ability to be able to create money in two places at the same time. Now. I'll go back. I'll tell you my story a little bit because so I was a financial advisor over 20 years ago, right? I was the typical salesman in a suit doing that sort of crap, telling, trying to convince people to buy mutual funds and whatnot. And I remember four years in when I realized I sat down with my dad and he was 61 years old. He did everything that guys like Dave Ramsey would teach you. Pay off all your debt, including your house. He was debt free. He stuffed money in his 401k for decades. And yet, I, when I looked at his numbers, I said, Dad, if you want to retire today at 61 years old, you better hope you die in five years because you don't have enough, right? Like you'll run out of money. And so that's what got me out of the financial advising world and into real estate. In fact, I was doing more flipping and things like that. And even things kind of like wholesaling, you know, my own version of wholesaling back then before I knew what wholesaling was, you know? And so I started doing that kind of stuff. And, and eventually, you know, 28 years old, you know, almost 29, I was out of the rat race. I had enough passive income coming in from other passive investments that I was able to quit working if I wanted to. Well, during that time, I remember meeting with all these real estate investors. They kept talking about this infinite banking, infinite banking, how awesome it was. I'm like, I was a financial advisor for four years. I've never heard of this before. And so I sat down with a guy that everybody was recommending. And he said, yep, this is how it works. And I remember seeing the whole life policy. I'm like, this is kind of expensive. You know, I was like, I understand insurance because I was insurance licensed myself at the time. I was like, I understand insurance, but this is pretty expensive. He's like, oh, it's expensive up front, but you know, eventually five, 10 years down the road, you can use this thing to buy a car or buy a house and pay yourself back, as they always say, right? And I'm like, okay, sure. And so I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I bought my own policy, put in, actually between two policies, put in over a thousand bucks a month. Well, the recession hits. I get my butt kicked, especially in the real estate space and in the business space. I get my butt kicked. So I, I couldn't keep paying that premium. I couldn't afford to do it. I asked them like, hey, can I stop paying? They're like, no, it will lapse because there's no cash in this policy. So it's like an expensive term policy. You stop paying it, you go, it goes broke. It, it blows up, right? So anyways, long story short, I lost the policy. I paid over 25 grand into it and I had nothing to show for it. Pissed me off. Here's what pissed me off even more, Brent. Months later, I really started to dig in and research it more. Remember, I was still insurance licensed myself. I started to do my own research, looking at ways you can design it. I remember asking this guy, I said, hey, is there a way I can make this cheaper to where I can have more cash building faster? He told me no. 
I found out he lied. So I went back to him. I showed him numbers. And of course, he tried to tell me, well, it's about the death benefit. That's what's really important. You know, Rockefeller concept, all that kind of crap, right? So he's telling me that that I was like, yeah, but understand. I'm like, if I have cash from day one, I will still have the death benefit you have. But I also have cash. I would have never lost this policy I paid 25 grand into. It could have paid for itself by that point. And he finally told me the truth. He says, Chris, the only reason I did that way is because I couldn't afford to cut my commissions. I said, bingo. That is the real reason right there. And I'm never sending you a referral again. And so over the last 15, almost 16 years now, I've kind of made it my mission to find better ways to do it. Um, even to the point where we even do it internally in our own company because we can't find when someone who actually wants to consistently do it right because the same problem comes up every single time. Agents make their money off of how much is going to insurance costs, right? Versus going into your tax-free savings account that's inside of it. So understand, it's not like term insurance where it's just a death benefit. You have this tax-free savings account in there that you can use or whatever, whenever you want. So our whole goal is how do we minimize that cost so that more cash goes in here and then you can use that to go and buy properties and invest using a line of credit from the insurance company where that money can still, you can borrow the money from the insurance company, you pay them a low interest rate, but you're making money in your investments while at the same time, your cash is still in there growing, compounding interest tax-free at like almost 6% right now. So Yeah, I think you called it a super interest account. Is that what you called it? Like a supercharged tax-free savings account, right? Yeah. Supercharged tax-free savings account. And that's kind of where, I mean, this whole thing, that's kind of why we refer to it sometimes as max ROI infinite banking or no BS infinite banking, because there is a lot of BS out there right now. Even you go down the YouTube rabbit hole and look up infinite banking. I mean, there's all kinds of guys, even in the real estate space, they'll say, oh, you should pay 40% to cost the first year. Well, the reason they tell you that is because they want to make more money, period. That's it. Not because you have to, because that's the way they design it. And so our promise is always like that no BS is make sure you always pay the lowest cost because the less you pay an insurance cost, the more that goes into that account, that can also be used for two purposes, especially. I mean, there's a lot more reasons you can, or ways you can use it, but here's the two big reasons I use as an investor. One, the great place to store reserves. Just like you mentioned, like that whole, you know, profit first buckets. I keep the majority of my personal cash reserves inside my life insurance policy. Why? Because I'm tired of making 0.1% at my credit union, right? If I'm going to store $300,000 in cash just for personal emergencies, why don't I keep a quarter million in an account that's making me at least 5 or 6% tax-free, and then the other 50000 keeping the bank for that quick money I can access today? That money, the insurance money, might take me a week or so to get to. But the bank money, I can go get it today. So I keep 50000 in the bank account with my local bank. The other 250000 that now is earning like you know $12,000 more than what I would have keeping in the bank, it's using there. So that's number one. And then number two, anything above and beyond that number that's beyond my emergency reserves, that money, I can then get a line of credit against it, whether it's with the insurance company or even with the bank, get a line of credit against it, where yes, I pay them interest, but if I use that money to go and invest, take the cash flow. So let's take a land deal, Brent. Like, like for example, right. I just had a recent land deal, like it was purchased for about 2,000 bucks, but a cash flow is about 150 a month right? It's okay. a very short-term 12-month type of lease. Well, I can say, let's borrow $2,000 from the insurance company, not pulling out of my bank. My, my, by the way, my money's still in there making tax-free interest, right? So I'm still making like 5 or 6% on that 2000 
right? And so you're making five or six, five or six percent on your cash, mm-hmm. and then you borrow that two thousand. How much are you paying that insurance company to borrow that money? I'll pay them about the same, but okay. here's the difference: is that if I'm taking the cash flow, just like you would, like you know, if you ever heard of people talking about velocity banking, where they get a HELOC yeah. on their house. They yeah. use that to invest and then they take the cash flow to pay it down and you pay less and less yep. in interest because you're paying it down. Same yeah, you're exact strategy. Amortization schedule. You're, you're taking years off that mortgage. Yeah. And more importantly, the reason why you're taking years off is because you're, you're paying that balance down, meaning that less and less interest is being charged to you. Now, I generally don't recommend that strategy with HELOC because I know banks can shut down your HELOC at any time because that happened to me in the last recession. So I tell people, here. don't do that strategy. That's dangerous. But... Um, I don't mind using the HELOC. I just don't want to pay it down. You know, I want to keep it maxed out so they can't cut my limits on me. And then I'll take cash flow and do other things. But here, I can put the money in. They're not going to cancel that HELOC or my own line of credit on my life insurance because it's guaranteed to earn interest. So they always know, even if I don't pay it back, I can pay it back however, whenever I want. Where a HELOC has a monthly payment, there's no monthly payment on my life insurance loans because they know that the interest is more than enough to pay for the loan. So what I do is, but to make it work better, even if they're the same loan rate and the interest rate, there's two different things happening mathematically. When I take that cash flow and pay that loan balance down, let's just say like the 150 month pays down that 2000, mm-hmm. I pay a lot less in interest than what the 2000 made in compounding interest because each year it compounds. Even if I did, let's even you go beyond one year because these are C, right? Um, let's just say it's $100,000 I'm using to go and invest. And let's just say that 100000 say it's total land deals that I'm doing there. Let's just say that that, that generates, um, you know, roughly about 3000 a month, right? I'll be, I'll be low on this one. So 3000 a month. Well, if I borrow $100,000 from the insurance company, but I'm taking that 3000 a month and paying it back in to pay down that line of credit, one, I still have that money available, I can reinvest again. But two, I'm paying less and less interest because that balance keeps going down. When they're charging interest, as the balance goes down, it's not about... It's not about amortization schedules like everybody thinks. Like they always think banks are screwing you somehow. They're like, oh, they make you pay all this interest up front. No, it's just simple math, simple interest. They just charge you on the balance. And as you pay it down, you pay less and less interest. But at the same right. time, the 100000 it's still making, let's say, 5%, right? That's $5,000 the next year, that year. Yeah. Well, in year two, now it's 105000 earning 5%. Now you're 110000 and change. The next year is 115,000 change. Next year is 121,000 and so on, right? But on the other side, on the loan side, because you're paying the balance down over those five years, what's happening? Less and less is getting charged to interest. So you make a heck of a lot more interest on what you made there versus what you pay the insurance company. And there you make a spread, not including the fact you already made cash flow on the deal. You're already making 3,000 a month, plus you're making thousands of compounding interest more than what you paid on the loan. And plus, hopefully you bought that land deal or that house or that rental at a discount. And when you sold, so if I buy a $100,000 parcel of land, mm-hmm. I generally want to sell it for either two or three X more. That's right. I paid for it. So I made money there plus the interest that I'm earning by seller financing that land deal. So it sounds like we're making money in like three, three different ways. Am I, am yeah. I missing anyone, any of them? No, you're not. Really, all you're doing is just what you've already been doing with land. You just add another, another little extra you know, increase of interest that you're earning in another place. That's how you make, that's how you kind of double dip. Or in this case, like you're saying, because you're buying with instant equity, right? It's almost like triple dipping because you're turning around and selling it at a higher retail value. So and what I love about this too is I work with some of your clients and they lend me money for a land deal. So we, yeah. one example, we bought a parcel of land 
for 115000 None of my own money in it because money's accumulating these uh, profit first buckets. Yeah. So I am paying one of your clients a monthly interest only payment. And so I'm paying every month coming out of my pocket because I have the cash to do it. Yeah. But if I used my infinite banking life insurance policy, I wouldn't have to make a payment unless I wanted to. Mm -hmm. That's right. So it's, it is very different than that. Like, yeah, different than getting hard money loans, which hard money lending, I still support, right? Bank loans, I love bank loans, especially if it's cheaper interest. You know, like I'll leverage the bank all day long. Uh, that's why, unlike what some people will teach, there's a lot of myths about infinite banking. They'll say, buy your car with it. I don't buy my car with it. They'll say, well, you pay yourself back. No, you don't. Like you're not paying yourself back interest. Now you're paying towards the line of credit, that loan you got from the insurance company, but get, make no mistake, it is a loan, just like if you got it from a bank. But this, here's the reason. like I love getting uh, getting bank loans for my car because I can still pay cheap interest. I actually got a 3.9% just a couple months ago for a three-year car loan. I'm like, I'm going to leverage the crap out of that and then use my infinite banking for buying assets. So I don't want to buy a, a car. I didn't want to buy my own house with my infinite banking. The only reason I would do that <laughs> is if, say that mortgage rates went up to like 10, 12%. And if I was still being charged maybe 6% on my loan rate, great. Maybe I'll do it then. But if they're almost roughly about the same rate, you know, within a few percent, I'm going to leverage the bank as much as I can. So I have more cash to buy more assets and just create more velocity with my money. More assets spitting off cash flow, more assets that are Mm -hmm. improving, increasing in value. And also these assets could be tax write-offs as well. So there's multiple. And by the way, other people rent them from you or purchase them from you or lease them from you and they pay for that asset as well. Yeah. And see, you just made a little distinction there because you get tax benefits, right? You're like, oh, I'm kind of triple dipping, not just double dipping, I'm triple dipping. And then some people will say, well, hey, if I'm using this for a business expense, the interest I even do pay the insurance company, I write it off. (laughs) So, and you don't have to make, again, you don't have to make payments. They'll still charge you interest, but it's like, it's like a student loan and deferral. Like if you could imagine borrowing money from somebody, you don't have to pay until you're done with the deal. I mean, how awesome is that, right? Like if you're flipping whether you're flipping a property, flipping land, whatever you're doing, you can then only have to pay afterwards. And even then, you still don't have to pay. The deadline for paying back those loans, by the way, is your death when you die. And all they do is they just take that money out of your death benefit and pay the rest to your heirs, your family, or whoever you designate as a beneficiary, still pays that money to them tax-free. Oh, that's the other thing that says tax-free, but it also comes out tax-free too. Wow, wow. Okay, Chris, I'm sold. I don't completely understand it. How, like, what's the minimum for someone to get started with this? Like, you mentioned 300000 What, What if I don't have 300000 that I want to invest in this? Or, uh, like, how do I get started? Uh, what's the minimum? How long does this take? And how do we get in touch with you to do it? Yeah. One thing I just say, if you want to go further down the rabbit hole, just go to our website, moneyripple.com. We've got, like, an infinite banking section with a video there that explains it. So, it goes in more in depth. I actually show the numbers. I even show how, how buying a, like, a million-dollar investment property, you can still make 125,000 more than he's using the bank, using the strategy and stuff like that. But here's what I would suggest is that when it comes to how much you can put in, you have at least 5,000 a year you've been saving to do towards some investing, then this is a great strategy that you, you could use. Um, if at least 5,000 a year. Now, if you don't even have two nickels to rub together, your paycheck to paycheck, but then you can buy like a convertible term policy that you can then convert later to, to this whole life policy down the road. But don't believe there's a lot of people in the real estate space that say you got to put in at least 50 or 100,000 a year or just dump in a ton of cash in one year. Don't do that. They're just 
charging you more fees by doing strategies like that. So, so that's why I say just, just be careful. There are a lot of infinite bankers out there that talk a good game, but charge you way too much. And I've seen too many people where they are literally going to end up, you're really paying hundreds of thousand dollars in fees that they shouldn't be paying. Yeah. That's, I think when I looked at this, uh, that was what scared me away, uh, was the fees yeah. a while back ago. Cause it's like, why didn't I pull the trigger on this? And now that, that reminds me, it's like, I was like, what are all these fees? Like, how long is it going to take me to actually benefit from this? I'm looking forward to checking out that example with the million dollar investment property. So that's moneyripples.com. Can you spell that out for us? Yeah. M-O-N-E-Y. It's almost sound like Mickey. You know, I spell that. M-O-N-E-Y. M-O-N-E-Y. M-O-N-E-Y-R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com moneyripples.com. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that example. I'm sure people can find out how to get in touch with you from there. A couple more minutes left. Uh, what are the negative? What's the uh, the downfall? What's the, the thing that we should be aware of or watch out for for something like this? Yeah, you know, the, the biggest thing is the upfront cost. That's always the biggest leap of faith for people. If you minimize the cost, it's better. But there are upfront costs. Unlike term insurance, which gets more expensive over time, whole life gets cheaper over time. So it starts more expensive, but then gets cheaper as time goes on. Is that because your dividends that pay for itself? Yeah. Well, and they just front load a lot of the insurance costs up front. That's the thing. In fact, if you get a normal whole life policy, the first two years, like the one I bought from that real estate guy or the guy was in the real estate space, like 100% of my money went to insurance costs, right? So the key is we got to minimize the insurance costs as much as we can up front so that you're paying less and less over time. Ideally, by the third or fourth year, the policy pays for itself. Meaning, like you said, the dividends are actually paying for the insurance costs. So if you put in, say, 10,000 a year, it's going to grow by at least 10,000 that next, that year, like year three or four. And it just keeps compounding from there. So be aware that those upfront costs and don't believe the whole, like, well, hey, this one only charges me 10% in the first year. We work with those same companies, but some of those companies will also embed and hide fees in later years. It, I wouldn't say they hide them. They, they never show you the fees, by the way. They legally don't have to. But you'll realize that like that same company, you might have one that seems more expensive up front, but it's cheaper over time and actually ends up making you more money as time goes on. So the best way to protect yourself from that is is get multiple quotes, right? Like if you're looking at somebody in the infinite banking space, great, look at that. But I mean, I know our team is more than willing to look at it and say, hey, is this good or not? Can you do better? That's the thing is that we can always uh, help you see you know, what's the best in your given situation. I love it. Thank you, Chris, so much for coming on Rhino Nation and being a go-giver and explaining that. Guys, head on over to moneyripples.com. If uh, you have any interest in this and, and want to accelerate your your wealth creation, you're doing more deals, funding your own deals, becoming your own bank. Until next time, Rhino Nation, we'll see you later. God bless. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.